now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. everyone this is david welcome back behind the velvet rope let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one the only tashina arnold uh, oh, the crowd goes wild oh thank you thank you thank you so much ladies and gentlemen thank you what is going on how are you how are you how, how are you doing today i am good i am good i uh, just started my hiatus this week we uh i've been um shadow shadowing the director Victor uh, on our show, the uh, the neighborhood. So uh, been, I've, you know, I'm I'm happy to have the week off. <laughs> it's been a busy week. Well, listen, you have the week off, but I have to start by saying, you know, congratulations, ooh baby, baby. I mean, which is honestly your baby since you are the director. So congratulations on that. Thank you, thank you so much. I'm very excited about it. It's part of the BET Her series and, you know, they're doing such important work at BET. Like, I know this is part of like Breast Cancer Awareness Month for yes. October, like, you know, a cause that rings near and dear to my heart, like, you know, with family oh. members. And so how did you get involved in this project? Uh, well, it came through, well, I, I think Tressa or BET reached out to us. And then, you know, my sister has been, Zanae, she's also my manager, but she's my little sister. And uh, we, she's just been begging me, you got to direct, we just got to direct. And I said, I want to direct, but I just, I, I want allow, I want the opportunity to present itself because, you know, I've been directed all my life. <laughs> so to kind of go from being in front of the camera to behind the camera, you know, you got to be ready for that and mentally ready for that. So uh, I said the opportunity will present itself and this opportunity presented itself and I felt good about it and just, you know, went through it. it was it's such a powerful story too. It's about a woman, like a high powered fashion exec who, you know, is trying to have a baby and through IVF, she realizes like through the IVF, she actually develop breast cancer, which is, yes, wow. Yes, which a lot of women go through. Oh, there she is. I'm sorry. See, I was looking for my dog earlier. She's she joining us. Alice, go to mommy, go. Listen, go, go, go. we have had many a dog and many a cat on this this podcast oh, here, so. God, I'm trying you, to get, she's, 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 a, she's a trip. She likes attention. She's cute. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. But, you know, it's just this, it's such a wonderful story. And I, I love that the story was told, you know, um, by the woman who went through it, you know. So when you have 
uh, a woman that's telling her own story. I just wanted to, to do it justice, you know, and I wanted to be able to bring it to life uh, and, and have it as impactful as it could be. Do you like directing? Like you said, you've been directed in many a project. How do you like being behind the lens? I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> Only because it just, you know, I'm, I, I like to stay busy and uh, not, not a lot of things keep my attention. So I think with directing, it was kind of a natural transition for me because I've been around so many actors and so many different directors. And like I told you, being directed by so many different people and working with so many different types of people and types of personalities. I was like, you know what? I have enough under my belt to get my feet wet now and, you know, doing it, you know, I'm not bossy, but I've been told I'm a little bossy, but a lot of times, you know, I had to hold my tongue as an actress watching other people direct. Cause I was like, yeah, no, I wouldn't do it that way. So I found myself directing in my own head anyway. And then I've had, you know, experiences where some directors, they would allow me to do what I want to do. So it's uh, it's it's fun. It's fun. It's just uh, it just allows my creativity to just be used in a, in a different way, which I'm really excited about. Do we think we'll be seeing more directing in your near future? Yes, for sure. That's for certain. That's for certain. Because I still like entertaining. So I want. I told Debbie. I said I want to be like Debbie Allen. I want to do both. You know, and I, you know, watching people like her. I mean, she's a legend in and of itself, but. But, you know, I've watched how she would be on the road. She would, you know, be directing Grey's Anatomy. And then she'll come back to her dance studio, get right into directing the kids. So, you know, it could be done. <laughs> it could be done. Because, you know, before I was like, oh, well, do I have time? And I was thinking of all these different excuses. And I'm like, to Shinga, there's no excuse why you, you shouldn't be able to direct. Absolutely. Was it, listen, I, I'm from New York City. I know you're from Queens. I know you went to, you know, the shout out to, you know, the 718 and 212 area code. I know you went to the LaGuardia High School for Performing Arts. Like, was it always acting for you? Like, or did you ever consider doing something else? Never considered doing anything else. Like literally by the time I was 13, I was full on. I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. My first job, my first pseudo professional job was uh, doing a play called the Me Nobody Knows at the Billy Holiday Theater in Brooklyn. And by the time I did that, after, you know, having that experience, there was no turning back for me. I was just like, yeah, I'm full on. And I did like, I could not even see anything else. My dad, I back in the day, he was just like, well, you need to see how it feels to have a regular job. So he had, he had like the snack truck. Like he had this, uh, he used to have the snack truck. He had an icy wagon. He made me like shave ice, like I'd sold shave ice and stuff. It was just crazy, but I'm happy he gave me that experience. But after I did it, I was like, yeah, dad, I want to be a show business. I don't want to do this. <laughs> so it's just, you know, you just, it's always been in, in my spirit. It's always been in my life to entertain. And I know you were in Little Shop of Horrors early on in your career. Like, that's what a fun show. Oh, I had a blast. So imagine being a 15-year-old little Black girl from Jamaica, Queens, going to London, living in London for a year, and, and experiencing, you know, working at Pinewood Studios and, you know, Frank Oz, working with the amazing director, Frank Oz. He actually taught me a lot as well. Uh, you know, in terms of just how to deal with people. So, you know, it's like when I started directing, I had to think about all of the wonderful directors that I liked 
And I thought, I just thought about all of them. And Frank Oz was actually one of them because he was just so gentle and so caring and so attentive to us in this new world uh, of, you know, doing that, that, that movie. It was a huge movie. Do you think in doing Ooh Baby Baby and directing it, like, do you think, you know, being an actress helped you as a director? Most definitely. Uh, in directing Baby Baby, when I read the script, I literally said, I have to do the script justice. And I immediately thought about who could play this role, who could do this role. And Edwina Finley is just, and it's such an amazing job. I mean, she just brought that role to life. And also you want to be, it's, you know, it's a very, you gotta be very cautious because Maggie who wrote it went through it, you know? So you have to be able to, you know, not overdo it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. not, it's this, this woman wrote her story and now we're bringing this story to life. So she's almost rehashing it, having to sit there and watch another woman play her, you know, during the most fearful, you know, like saddest moments in her life, you know, to be told that you have cam cancer and be told that you can't have children. Like it's just, that was a lot. So I said, you know, I have to approach this very carefully and I have to have the right actress to do it. So I definitely am an, an actor's director because I am, I mean, it's kind of a no brainer because it's not about like the technicalities, you have people that will help you with that. So being in that production, everybody was just so wonderful and so gracious and helped me along the way while I did it. But to have an actress to bring it, bring the role justice, was awesome. And Edwina, you know, she put a foot in it. She definitely did an amazing job. She was great. Well, early on in your career, you were also on All My Children. What was that experience like? Did you have any scenes with Susan Lucci? Like, did you feel the aura of Susan <laughs> Lucci and the house that Lucci built? We, I've had her on my show. I've had, she's wonderful. I've had a few scenes with Susan. And you know what's so crazy? Erica Kane is known to be such a B-I-T-C-H. I don't know if I can curse, but she's like- You can curse. Known to be such a bitch. But Susan Lucci is probably the nicest person that I met the whole time that I was on doing soap operas. Literally, her Michael Levin, of course. Like, this is- And, and uh, Dahlia, what's, uh, what's her name? Lord have mercy. L uh, Lord have mercy. What is her name? She'll die, and I'm. Oh God, it's menopause. It'll come back to me. But I like I, can't I, think I, of it either. I know it'll come. Eileen, Eileen Knight, Eileen Knight. I think it is. Yeah, Eileen Knight. You know, working with just just really cool people. They helped me. You know, I'm just just you know because there weren't a lot of black young women on other than Debbie Morgan. You know, so it was kind of you know whole new world for me. But you know, I've been blessed to be around really good people along the way that have helped me. That was a great experience. I mean, what a great way to start one of your careers. <laughs> Crazy. But your breakout role, which a lot of people know you from, of course, is 1992 Pam in Martin. You know, Martin was just coming off like Boomerang with Eddie Murphy and like, like, was there a buzz around that show? Like, could you tell going into it? Like, was there this hush hush, like this is going to be a big thing? No, we didn't realize we didn't really realize that Martin would have the success that it had. Like because at that point, you know, uh, um, Keenan Wayans, what he paved the way for all of the shows that came behind Living Color. 
You know, he was he was the, the it guy, you know what I mean, in terms of his content. So we came along and then you had Living Single, then you had uh, um, the, oh God, this, the, oh Lord, have mercy, the show, this with the school, come on, Lord have mercy, I get my black card taken away. But it'll come to me. Yeah. I just remember yeah. Living Single and Martin Fox, Living Single and, and Martin. Different That's world, what... different world, different world. Yes, different, different world. So that whole era, that, it was the birth of so many new, amazing shows. And so Martin was just kind of a part of that. Um, we, and because back then Fox was an independent network, it wasn't a major network. So uh, we didn't get the same treatment as major networks, but we had our own, you know, we had the show and then, you know, having, you know, Martin, somebody as comedically as brilliant as he is, it was for us about the experience, you know, it was about, you know, the moment that we were living and that was, we came to work, literally, we had fun every day, like we cracked on each other, like, so a lot of stuff that we did off camera, we in, 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 incorporated into, you know, the, the show. So we were just kind of y'all young, young, kind of wet behind the ears, but just kind of doing it full throttle. And and who knew that it would just make the the, the imprint that is made in the industry after 30 years. I mean, geez. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Now that I've come out of the closet and shared with you that I've been living with eczema and skin irritation and breakouts ever since I was young, I've been hearing from so many of you. And I realized like this doesn't just affect me, it affects so many people. Now, I've tried a lot of different products over the years, but I have to tell you about Glad Skin. Do you ever wonder what actually causes your skin irritation and inflammation? It's a disruption in the bacterial environment. It's an imbalance, and Glad Skin specifically works to target that imbalance. They use a micro-ebalance, which is a revolutionary protein that restores the balance of the good and bad bacteria that live on your skin so it can finally heal. For me, Glad Skin has been a game changer. It's so effective that 91% of users, which are adults and children who have tried their top selling eczema cream reported significant improvement after just seven days, 91%. If you've been frustrated with your treatment options, don't wait to try GladSkin. GladSkin is offering my listeners 15% off plus free shipping on your first order at gladskin.com slash velvet. That's gladskin.com slash velvet for 15% off plus free shipping. Gladskin.com 
gmail.com slash velvet. Remember the good old days? And I'm really dating myself here. I know when you had to like go to your psychiatrist's office and like sit there and wait in the waiting room and it was quiet and you were looking at people around you and you had to wait and you had to walk there and you had to drive there. Mental health and therapy and psychiatry has never been so simple. Now that you're able to access mental health and the comfort of your own device, it's never been so simple to schedule. Talkspace, it's really changed the game. You can send messages to your dedicated therapist in the Talkspace platform. You could schedule your sessions. You can help set goals all from your device. You never have to leave your home. And if you're like me and you travel and you're really never in one place for more than a few months, it's great. You don't have to keep changing therapists. They have thousands of licensed therapists with years of experience and over 40 specialties, depression, anxiety, substance abuse, trauma, anger management, relationship issues, food, eating. As a listener of Behind the Velvet Rope, you get $100 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash velvet. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash velvet. To get $100 off, that's Talkspace.com slash velvet. Do you remember like the moment, you know, like that you were like, wait, this is something, this is going to go on for a long time. Like, do you remember that first moment? I remembered how important, like the impact that Martin was making once we went into syndication. When we hit syndication, I had a little Indian boy walk up to me and says, oh, you're Pam. I walked out and I was like, wait, what? I was like, so wow, this is resonating to different cultures and different, you know, cause I was used to black people coming up to me but never, you know, Indian people. So that's when I realized, wow, this, this show is like really getting out there. And, you know, people to this day, 30 years later, still watch it. So you have generations of people. So it's not just the people my age, you have people that are children of, 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 uh, of my generation watching it now because their parents watch it. So it's crazy. And like, to your point, you know, like now we have like Shondaland and Ryan Murphy and, but right. It really, to me, you know, like there's so much talk about like diversity and inclusion, but like, it really was groundbreaking at that time. And especially Fox. And I mean, that's how I view it. It was kind of really ahead of its time. Yeah. And because I think we, 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 what we did and Martin really um, was good at, he knew what he wanted for his show. Hence, it's his show, Martin. That's why they called it Martin. And I love that, you know, even with playing the other characters, you know, he would get tired of getting into prosthetic makeup and all that stuff. It was, it was a lot. So whenever he was playing those characters, we just had to make sure we made him feel as comfortable as possible. Because literally some, the, him getting into makeup would take longer than it was to shoot it. Like his makeup would be four hours sometimes. Just wow. So by the time he gets into makeup, you know, and now he has to be funny. So it wasn't an easy task, but we really honestly enjoyed it. And I always say, whistle while you work, you know, enjoy what you do. Try and like, even, you know, I, I say all the time, God has blessed me to do what I love doing. I wake up every day. So imagine waking up every day, hating your job or hating what you do or hating, you know, hating, you know, what, you know, you got to uh, just, you know, use to sustain your, your life, your life or your lifestyle. Like you hate what you do. I don't know how that feels. And I don't want to know how that feels. So I, I, I've definitely been blessed to be a part of some really, really iconic shows, good shows that are still enjoyable today, which is great. 
Well, here I am, and I used to practice corporate tax law in another lifetime. So I understand what happens. <laughs> I'm like a closet smart person, but that's a whole nother conversation. But- <laughs> See, smart people are in now. Smart people are in. Like, you know, bust out of there, man. Right. And so I understand, like, look, it's, it's hard to leave a job, but I totally get it. Like you have to do what makes you happy. So, yes. well, you have been part of many iconic shows, as you say, everybody hates Chris. How was, what, how was that experience? Oh my gosh. That experience was the first time I experienced being number one on the call sheet. It was the first time I experienced playing a mother. And I was kind of a little down about it because I'm like, oh, you know, once you play a mother, you're always going to play a mother. And that's exactly what happened. I've been a mother ever since. But then I said, no, you know what? There's a way that I can convey being a mother. Because, you know, this is the new age mother. There's a mother that like, there are people that, well, back then, I was, it was 2016. My daughter was only two years old when I did, uh, when I did, how old was she when I did Everybody Hates Chris? No, she was young when I did a one-on-one. I did the show called One-on-One. So by the time I was on Everybody Hates Chris, I was still a new mother. So I didn't really have a lot of experience being a mom. So I kind of incorporated my mom, my grandmother, my aunt, all the matriarchs in my family. That's who Rochelle was. Uh, So playing Pam, you know, I was just single, feeling myself. You know, thinking I'm a hot girl. So that was easy to play. But by the time I got to do Everybody Hates Chris, it was a lot of work. You know, working with kids. It was the first time when you work with kids, they can only work a certain amount of hours a day. So sometimes I'll, you know, be acting to styrofoam heads. (laughs) Or, you know, somebody from the crew sitting there pretending to be a kid. You know, so it was a great experience, though. I think Ali Leroy and, and Chris Rock, did an amazing job with that show and that show kept its integrity and what it was meant to do. You know, Chris, you know, Chris Rock loved his father. His father passed away. So even with creating the character Julius that Terry Crews played, they're very staunch about, no, he's got to be this way. You know, he's got, so, you know, we don't get to see a lot of black men in black male roles that mean something that resonates. So, and that are all stories and that is a story that we can tell. So, I, uh, I I think I, I've definitely been blessed being a part of these shows and just working with amazing people. Was Chris Rock really involved? Like, what did you learn from him from that experience? Chris is, he's, he's another uh, closeted smart guy. Chris is brilliant. He's a very, very smart man, knows what he wants, just has a great comedic sensibility, awesome writer. Um, but it's about his life. So he knew exactly what he wanted. So like, sometimes I'll be on set and just, you know, call out lines to me to say <laughs> without me even seeing him. So he's, uh, he was definitely uh, in the beginning, he was like hands on. And then, you know, he's an actor as well. He's got to go make money other places. So, but every day was Ali Leroy. He was, you know, the showrunner. So Ali Leroy definitely held it down, definitely held it down. Do you still keep in touch with like Terry Crews, Chris Rock, like from that? Everybody, everybody, everybody. Life is about building good relationships. And uh, I've been blessed to have great relationship, you know, relationships with people because that's half the business. It's like, I think the reason why I'm able to work is because I can work with anybody. 
It was it was such a good show. I loved everybody eats Chris or everybody. Yes, it was so good. What <laughs> what about like you know just the whole Oscar slap and everything Chris went through and I mean like he's using it in his act now, which I mean. Joan Rivers used to always say, like, nothing is off limits for comedians. I mean, I remember she used to make jokes, like, after uh, certain people passed away. Like, is that, like, is anything off limits for comedians? And I feel the same way. I, I feel that, you know, if you're a human, you'll, you understand if you're hurting somebody else's feelings or you, you know if you're going too far. Um, comedy, because I love comedy so much, if it's funny... It's funny. If it's not, it's not. But that's relative because we all don't find the same things funny. But one of the reasons why I never became a stand-up is because I don't, I don't, I that's just a, a, a muscle that I'm a comedic actress. But watching all the greats, I went to see Dave Chappelle, Eddie Griffith, you know, Chris Rock. I I love going to the comedy clubs watching because it's a it's a fearless. Uh, it's a fearless occupation and, but it's a way where you can convey how you feel about life and you tell your story of what you've gone through, through laughter. And that's not easy to do. So, uh, you have a lot of people that, you know, they make certain decisions. People may like it. People may not, but I tend to mind my business. Gotta mind your business. People go through what they go through. If they ask you how you, you feel about it, then you express yourself, but other than that, no one cares. Your business, your business, mind your business, stay out of other people's business. <laughs> That's a good way to live. Yeah, yeah, I stay out of people's <laughs> Well, Ooh Baby Baby is, you know, like I said, it's on BT Her as part of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. You know, I had the pleasure of having Fran Drescher on this show twice. Franny, we love Franny. <laughs> what was it like to play Fran Drescher's best friend and happily divorced? I just loved it. You know, you got two Queens girls, which was really, really cool. And I actually played the role of her real friend, Judy. Her friend, Judy, is like a real person. And, you know, just it was fun, you know, sitting there watching how Fran, Fran is like, I was like, do you ever stop? Because even when she's not on the set, she's doing something like she's just nonstop. And now she's the president of After SAG. So I'm, uh, I'm a SAG after. Oh God, they're going to kill me for saying that. But SAG after. So I, uh, I, I just appreciate her work ethics. You know, Fran Drescher is definitely a pioneer. You know, she's, she's been in the game a long time and she knows that game. So I was very appreciative of her because she's funny. You know, it's just great watching her and Michael Higgins. Michael Higgins is brilliant. So funny. Rita Moreno. I mean, just, it was great cast. So I had a blast in Happy Happily Divorce. I did. I had a lot of fun. Were you a fan of the nanny before that? Yes, like I used to watch the nanny for Fran's outfits. <laughs> I was like, oh, what is she going to wear today? <laughs> I mean, it was set in Queens. Like, she was from Queens, uh-huh. you know, like, uh-huh. what is... Is there a part, like I said, like, you started in All My Children, you've done Broadway, now you've directed. Like, is there a... I mean, you've sang, you had a residency in Beverly Hills last year. Is there a part of this business that you still want to try that you haven't done? It seems like you've done everything. Broadway. When I did Little Shop of Horrors, I did Little Shop of Horrors after I did the movie. I did it. I had the great experience of going doing it at the Orpheum Theater. And so to have that experience is great. I, you know, I've done a lot of theater, but I've never done Broadway. Never. 
Wow. So we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe sometime in the near future, I'll get an opportunity to do Broadway, at least for a little while. Um, but other than that, no, I kind of take my career as it comes. As my career comes to me and the opportunities comes come to me, I just, you know, take, you know, kind of, you know, go with it, go with the flow. <laughs> Did you ever think about how bald men shave their head? I mean, it's a legitimate question. I have a lot of bald friends and I can tell you, they're always complaining about like shaving their heads. The razors are subpar and they don't work. It's made me think about it. And I have to tell you, I have a solution. So anyone that has a bald friend or is bald, ladies, if you have a bald man in your life, listen up. Any razor that they're using that's made for your face or anything else, that's wrong. Razors are made to shave flat surfaces. So what bald men and women need is the Flex Series Electric Shaver from Freedom Grooming. This shaver has five rotary blades that individually flex for a closer shave. Compared to the old school razors that you guys are all probably using, the Flex Series shaves 50% more hair in a single stroke. All my bald friends who have tried the Freedom Grooming product are thanking me. So listen, for upcoming holidays, birthdays, or just because, get your bald guy the best shaver of his life. Freedom is giving our listeners an exclusive discount. Visit freedomgrooming.com velvet and get 20% off. That's freedomgrooming.com slash velvet for 20% off today. Well, you're also busy with your day job on the neighborhood. Another, I mean, you just, you land on such great shows. What is so great about it? Like what, how is this experience different than some of the other comedies you've been in? Well, this experience is the first time on, I'm on a major network. You know, when I did Martin, Martin was, Martin was on Fox, but Fox was an independent network. It wasn't a major network back then. Uh, so me being on a major, major network and then CBS, watching how CBS operates, you know, it's a law, you know, it's a long, a old company that's been around a long time. So they have a system, but they've been really, really good to this show. And, and being able to work with uh, uh, Cedric the Entertainer, here I am working with another comedic great, and, you know, I got him as a notch in my belt now. So that feels good. Uh, but to be able to be a part of a show that people can literally turn it on and anybody can watch it. I like that. I like that because right now we need to get back more family oriented. And I think, you know, uh, The Neighborhood is definitely a show that the whole family can watch. You don't have to censor it and you know, your kids from watching it. Everybody can watch it. Because, you know, with streaming, you know, you got a lot of racy shows. I love playing Cassie on Survivor's Remorse. I mean, every other word that came out of my mouth was a foul foul language, but I loved every minute of it because it, I got a chance to play a mother who's not a conventional kind of mom. She right. was a different kind of mother. But to be able to have that experience and play that, I loved it, loved it, loved it. But uh, I'm so happy that now in my latter years, I have landed uh, a show on CBS with the amazing sector the entertainer Beth Bears, my 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 white girl, my I call my white girl. We rock out. We call BZ and Teasy. That's how we go. You know, we refer to each other as BZ and Teasy because she's like, you know, we're like Thelma and Louise. We jump off that comedic cliff together, and I love that. You know, we got Max Greenfield. You know, uh, Sheon and and Marcel Spears, like and, and our little Hanky Spanky. I call him Hanky Spanky. We are a real family on the show. Like we literally act that way the same way we do on camera we we all care for each other we've got a great crew you know so we've been together for five years you really do become a neighborhood you really do become a family so it conveys on the show definitely shows and do you think the whole family aspect is part of the success i mean like 
you know how TV is. You can't predict anything. I mean, five years, like that's most shows never, you know, congratulations. Like crazy because it's a, it's a, it's a human story. Like it's a, it's a show about human things, you know? And I think it's always wonderful to be a part of something where you have two, you have a, a, a white per, a white man and a black man that are able to come together and have good conversation and work through their differences and figure out their differences. And even with me and Beth Bear's characters, you know, you have a black woman and a white woman that are able to come together and learn and share. And, you know, that's not seen often. So I think that's a part of the neighborhood that a lot of people really enjoy because it's something I get a lot of women that say, you know, I have a black friend and we are just like you and <laughs> So, you know, a lot of people relate to it. So, and, and, and Cedric does a wonderful job at keeping the show's integrity and, and what the show, you know, is about and our characters and how we're perceived and how we're conveyed. So I think uh, uh, the neighborhood deservedly show so should go on another few years and that's not because i'm on it but we need to see that now more than ever you know we need to see camaraderie we need to see you know friendship we need to see people working it out i i agree well you said like you had the opportunity to work with such greats like terry cruz and martin and now cedric so you know tashina who's the funniest out of those three you know, everybody is a different kind of funny. Like Cedric, I just, <laughs> Cedric, it's like working with different people. I learned their habits because, you know, you see how they are off camera. So that's what I pay attention to. I pay attention to the people when they're off camera. And off camera, Cedric is such a great guy. He's not only funny, he's actually funny off camera as well, because just the stuff that he says, he's always like, you know, cracking jokes and doing one-liners, but yet be the executive producer of the show, be a father. You know, we all have like, we have our lives outside of our characters. So to watch how this man juggles all of these different hats that he holds, literally, and he has a huge hat collection, so pardon the pun, but he holds a lot of hats. So to watch him maneuver uh, and be able to handle all that, I definitely respect, give him a, a lot of respect for that. Terry Crews, you got this big, beautiful black man who has a beautiful family, who he loved his family. He always puts his family first. So watching him throughout the years learn, because uh, he's already funny, but now he had to be a father for the first time. So it was a new territory for him. So he and I kind of, uh, were able to support each other because it was the first. I was playing the mom for the first time. He's playing dad for the first time. So we kind of experienced that together uh, with Martin. Martin, hilarious, you know, comedically, his comedic brilliance just never stopped. Like, it's like, you gotta be on it. You know, you move when he moves, you know? So I learned so many wonderful comedic I learned a lot of comedic timing dealing with Martin and he was executive producer of the show as well. So he's helping write the scripts. He's helping with the content. So you have all these people. I've been able to watch them grow within their, their own uh, positions. And, and it's just lovely to watch. This is uh, I've learned a lot, learned a lot. What about, you know, reboot mania is everywhere these days, you know, 
has there ever been talk of like rebooting Martin and have you ever been approached? Oh, there was a lot of talk about rebooting Martin. And I was honest a long time ago. I said, you know, with Tommy no longer, you know, being here, Martin will never be the same. We can't reboot it. Now we could have a rebirth and maybe, you know, you switch it up a little bit, but it'll never be the same. So I just, we kind of let it, died down because people were really anticipating for us to come back and we tried to come back but i don't think it's going to happen some some things are better left alone just let it let it let it go you know we ended it ended it where it ended and just let that rock so we did do a uh, a reunion show which you know was received very well and uh hopefully that'll hold people off <laughs> sometimes it's like you don't want you know lightning in a bottle only strikes once right yeah yeah what if they were going to go the route of you know just like recasting it and like we don't have to worry about like who's in and who's out just like is there an actress like you know a you know based on the time that you played pam is there like a actress in hollywood that you could say wow i could see that as my you know pam I never thought about that. Like I used to see memes. Like they had a Shanti, I think, playing Pam. Uh, what is this? Another young lady. What is her name? Lord have mercy. Oh God, I can't remember her name. Oh, they come. It did come back to me. I can't remember her name. Lord have mercy. But I've seen people put themselves as Pam. Like you know, they have they, they like you have people that do these wish lists. Yeah. Of you know who would play the roles and stuff but I don't you know I don't know I never really thought about it I never because it's like I don't think it's gonna happen so when I you know when uh us you know coming back and the talk of the reboot when it was just not gonna actualize I kind of just stopped thinking about it we did the reunion I'm like hopefully people can hold on to that but uh yeah no I never really thought about anybody playing me a totally self-indulgent part of your career for me, I mean, was Daytime Divas. Oh! I mean, that was just, you know, gone for me, but not forgotten. I loved that Mo character. I that, like, that show, Daytime Divas and Survivor's Remorse were the two shows that I was very disappointed in ended. I was really disappointed. Like, not much disappoints me because I know you know, the nature of this industry, you know, saw, you know, you're up one day, down and up, down the next. But, you know, I thought both of those shows still had one or two more years left to them. I just really enjoyed those roles. I just thought, and this wasn't, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, first of all, Vanessa Williams, like, hello. And beautiful woman and a beautiful person. Vanessa Williams, beautiful person. I love working with her. I just thought, and like, this is no shade to VH1. I just thought like it wasn't, you know, like sometimes like, you know, if it's like streaming, that's just the wrong network. Or I just thought like that show just had so much potential as well. I figured like. Yeah, well, Star Jones, that was Star Jones, baby. And Star was like, girl, I got a role for you. And I was like, what? <laughs> so that's how I got that role. So kudos to Star Jones for coming up with such a, you know, great, you know, a great show. But I, I just really, I loved playing ball, but. One of those things, it ended. <laughs> it was great. It was fun. Do you have any like binge? Like, do you binge TV shows? Like, are you a huge fan? Like, what do you binge? Like, do you have any guilty pleasures? I used to binge True Blood. I binge Dexter. I used to love Dexter. I don't, and I don't, I just I have to state this for the record. I don't watch myself. 
So I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a full episode of myself in years. Like even being on the neighborhood, I tell other people to watch it, but <laughs> I just choose not to watch myself because I think I'll start censoring myself when it comes to my comedic timing and my comedic thoughts. I just don't want to do that. So I was like, you know, don't watch yourself. But um, there's a show called Salmon on Netflix that they said is really good. I want to watch. I don't watch a whole lot of TV, though. I don't want, and what I do is I stop, in order for me to read more books, I stop watching TV. That's smart. I mean, well, I can't listen to myself on this podcast, so I totally understand not watching. I'm like everyone else. It's, I think it's the same thing. I think it's like, I would become too self-aware. I mean, like, of course there's certain things I hear and like, I have to listen to things and edit at times, but it's uh-huh. not my, fa- it's not my favorite thing to do to sit around and listen to myself on this podcast. So what's your new favorite show? I mean, I have to say you, I mean, you mentioned Debbie Allen earlier. I'm one of those people who is still like Grey's Anatomy is still oh, for oh, me God. phenomenal. <laughs> I, I still yeah, love you it. Stick with a show. You stick with a show, and that's what I told them. The neighborhood was going to be when we first started. I said, you know what? This is the neighborhood is going to be one of those shows where people, whoever likes it, they're going to stick with it and they're going to stay with it, and that means a lot. And you know, here we are, five years later. So, big shout out to all the neighborhood fans. We love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you for the support. <laughs> it was well. I mean, to me, it's like Cedric is great. I've watched you in all these shows. Two Bro Girls with Beth Ayers was great. Yeah. New Girl with Max Greenfield. But like, this is a phenomenal cast. So, I mean, for anyone who is late <laughs> to the game, like, catch up because it is. It's a great <laughs> show. Yeah. Do you? I take it then based on the fact that you don't watch a lot of TV, you never got into like the reality TV, like Real Housewives, Kardashians, you never went down that road. Could not, t- like literally, I've never seen one full episode of any of the so- shows that you mentioned. So I'm kind of, I'm just like, it's weird because I think when you're, when you're in the industry, because I had to think about it, I said, like, why don't I watch other people's work? Like, why don't I just, when you do it all day, when I leave the set, I go and I like, you know, piddling around the house. I do paperwork. I, you know, I play with my dog. I do things outside of the industry because I'm always in the industry. And I think it's, you know, by being in the industry so long, you know, you just entertain yourselves with other things. (laughs) That makes complete sense to me. If you could, as we wrap up, if you could work with anyone in the industry, like who would it be? You know, like you've acted along some of the greats, you're currently acting along some great talent, but just like who's someone you haven't worked with that you would just love to work with on a future project? Don't think I'm a weirdo, but I really want to do anything with Anthony Hopkins. I know, but I just do. I just always loved his work. I would love to, uh, ooh, I would love to sing with Gladys Knight. I would love to, uh, I'm trying to think of new people, because being on, I don't really don't know what anybody's doing right now, but I like just working with anybody who just is bringing it, bring just, you know, bring it, you know, I just, I'm open to working with anybody. Why do people think you're weird if you say Anthony Hopkins? Because they think Hannibal Lecter? Yeah, because the way you know he's an old white man, you would never think, you know, me as a black woman, but I just, I, I appreciated his work because I think, you know, in the, that movie Amistad, I just like the fact that he literally did, like, it was had to have been at least a 10-page scene where just he's talking, but the camera never stopped. And the camera just went around. And so I was like, wow, that man learned all of that dialogue. And I just, it always, you know, sat with me. 
And so it's just out of a respect for the industry and what people, you know, put into their careers and for, you know, him to be in this industry so long as he plays, played some really hard roles. Like a yeah. lot of roles he played was not easy. And the range, his range of the roles that he's played. I mean, I just, you got to have respect for that. Yeah. Whether he's... I, if he was purple, I would still be saying the same thing. <laughs> I, I could see that. And final question as we wrap up, like, you know, we talked, like, where do you think, like, the state of Hollywood, you know, like, TV and Hollywood is now, you know, like, I mentioned, like, Shonda, and, like, you even mentioned, like, the neighborhood, like, you're seeing, like, black and white, and we're having these discussions, like, you know, Ryan Murphy and Pose and the largest trans cast, like, are, have we come really far? I mean, are we doing good? Do we have, I'm just curious to your opinion. We've come a long way, but we got a long way to go. I want to see, because I always speak, I will always speak as a black woman, okay? Because that's what I know. <laughs> I would like to see, I would like to see, we, I would like to see black people tell their own stories. That's what I would like to see more of. I would like to see us tell our own stories, which is one of the reasons why, you know, I started, I, I think it's, a good time now for me to start directing because now I can search for those types of projects. My sister and I also have a production, Queens Light Productions. So we have a few, you know, a few uh, projects on our table that we're gonna get greenlit. And I just think it's time for black people to start telling our own stories and not saying that white people can't do it, but y'all done it so long, it's time for us to tell it. Um, so I'm hoping that that will happen. Um, and just, like I said, the dynamics with me and Beth and our relationship, our interracial relationship and being grow up, you know, friends, it's, it resonates to a lot of people because you don't see it often. You know, we always see the bad side, but there's a side that people really work out their differences. It's like, I tell people all the time, you ain't got to like me, but you will respect me. And so once we meet on that level, and the, le the playing field is leveled out, then I think we'll start seeing better content. But right now the, le the, you know, the playing field is not leveled. Um, and I'm hoping that it will be hopefully leveled in years to come. I hope so too. And I think that's a great point. And, you know, again, congratulations on this. You know, I watched it. It was great. Hopefully you will be directing more in the near future and everyone needs to check this out on BET. And I really, really appreciate you and your whole team and just taking your time to chat with me. Oh, thank you for having me, man. And congratulations with your show, man. And try to listen to yourself. I'm gonna try to watch an episode of myself and then you try to listen to yourself. Cause I was told, like somebody told me like, you know, you sometimes you need to watch yourself in order to, so I'm gonna try it. So let's just, let's try Let's do it one time. And then when we talk again, we'll discuss it. I was just gonna say, <laughs> I'll listen to myself if you watch a full episode <laughs> of The Neighborhood. I'll do that. And my next interview with you, we'll talk about it. We can compare notes. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been great. Thank you so much, David, for having me. You be blessed. You too. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews 
actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.